All right. Wow. What uh, what a two weeks it's been. Got my coffee here. I'm back. I last weekend, last Sunday, I didn't have a show. I was chilling at a cottage, recharging a little bit. And now I'm back. And yeah, a lot's happened. I mean, it's weird. Um, when I was when I was away, I was kind of thinking, oh my God, so many news stories and um, so many pieces of information are going to kind of gather up over the next two weeks. But just the last 72, 72 hours is like, <laughs> it's felt like two weeks, to be honest. Um, I don't know about many of you, but I think it was last night or the night before. No, I think it was last night. Um, that Bitcoin dip, that ride down, it reminded me of at a, at a theme park where you have that drop zone and they like raise you up and they're like fake dropping you and you just scream on your way down. It was pretty wild. Um, and of course, as we know, you know, a lot of the other tokens on Hedera like Dovu or Karate Token or um, Grelf or whatever it may be, you know, they're very highly coordinated to HBAR. And HBAR is very, very highly coordinated to or correlated to, um, you know, other altcoins, you know, like Cardano or Ethereum, right? All those are, you know, highly coordinated or correlated to Ethereum. And then that is all highly cor correlated to Bitcoin. And then you can also argue that that is highly cor correlated to tech stocks. But with all of that connected, wonderful, correlated soup of crypto, um, that seemed to spin down the drain just a little bit. And it was kind of wild. But, I mean, we bounced a little bit. I mean, it, it's not free fall today. I think we're okay. And it's funny because, I mean, I've seen so many people bring this up. So many people have brought this up. That Harvard talk that Lehman gave, you know, I probably brought this up a dozen times in the show or more. And he talks about the dot-com bubble and there's a, there's a, you know, thousand or 10,000 or hundred thousand companies that spring up out of nowhere. There's a, there's a boom, there's a bubble, there's a bust, and then a couple survive, right? Lehman talks about Amazon and Google and all that kind of stuff. And he said, you know, something similar would happen in, in the, uh, you know, the crypto industry. And a lot of, it's funny because we've had similar events to this, like bank collapses and, and the central exchange collapses and Alameda Research and Three Arrows Capital and the list goes on and on and on. And each time people in the Hedera community kind of go, hey, you know, is this what Lehman was talking about? Um, is this what's being referenced? Are we living through it right now? We said that last year. I'm pretty sure we said it at some time the year before. And I think we're saying it now. But now it's 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 really interesting because more so than ever, the kind of regulatory element is a bigger part of that conversation than usual, I feel. And it's squarely focused on the SEC and a major focus at the SEC, Gary, um, Gary, Gary G, we call him. And, you know, I think that on the back of that, 
there's kind of another conversation that's been happening for a while on the upside, right? Which is what is the next bull market going to look like? Um, what's going to drive that? What's going to be the catalyst for that? What's going to make some of these assets really attractive? And utility always comes to mind, right? Very often people will say it's going to be a utility bull run. And some of the stories we're going to be talking about today, I mean, Hedera is really well positioned, but things keep changing and Hedera and other, you know, satellite entities like the HBAR Foundation, the Hashgraph Association, governing council members, et cetera, got to stay frosty, right? You really, really got to stay frosty. And I mean, we're live on Twitter spaces with another week. Well, I'll say two weeks because I was away. In Hashgraph to unpack, let's dive into the news and rumors and see what's going on. Let's give a quick overview before we officially open the show. We got some people tuned in now, which is great to see. We'll be bringing some people up to the stage, I'm sure. They want to catch up. But we're talking about, I'm going to share some of my own thoughts on the HBAR Foundation strategy. Uh, we're going to talk about, um, so there, there's there's a couple stories that I wanted to highlight from the whole like kind of SEC, Binance, Coinbase type thing. We're not going to go too deep into it. I think everybody's read pretty thoroughly into it. I just wanted to get people caught up on the Coles notes. We've got um, mainnet, really interesting mainnet activity. Um, we've got some notes from the Governing Council meeting minutes, which I'm sure Perfectability is going to come up and tell us about. We've got um, Governing Council members tokenizing trillion, or sorry, billions of assets um, billions in assets on the, on the hash graph. Um, I ran a really interesting poll. We got updates from, uh, DLA Piper, Rob Allen. Uh, we got updates from Swirls Labs and we got some breadcrumbs. Of course, we got some coupon updates. I mean, how could I do a show without a coupon update? Some deck stuff, uh, decentralized exchange stuff. Let me see what else is going on here. We got some wallet stuff too. Um, we're going to be talking about Swirls Labs. There's actually a couple stories about Swirls Labs. Um, yeah, there's quite a bit to talk about. And with that, good evening from Ottawa, Canada, everyone. My name is Brandon Davenport, and I'm a developer, musician, and founder at my creative firm, Dirksen Davenport Incorporated, helping artists, businesses, and startups in the Hedera ecosystem. And like all of you, I'm a Hashgraph enthusiast. It is Sunday, June 11th. And welcome to Hashgraph News and Rumors, episode 79. Somebody get the doctor, please. Please, please, please. This is a weekly show where we cover the top stories related to Hedera, HBAR, and everything in between broadcast live on Twitter spaces every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and made available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Those go up every Monday. Get all the info you need about the show and listen to past episodes at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. If you're listening live now, check out the Twitter thread pinned to the top of the spaces. Take a deeper dive into each of the stories. Everybody listening live right now, take a minute to share, please. More the merrier. Let your friends know you're listening. You can also click the little comment button at the bottom right. Ask a question, share something interesting that listeners might like to know, and I will talk about it. I really did a good job on the coffee this evening. That's fantastic. I got the ratio perfect, guys. Honey and cream and the coffee with the right amount of beans and the pour over. I can't even explain how great it is. This show continues to grow from hundreds of listeners to thousands. 
across all platforms. And that's because of you guys tuning in every week. Awesome guests giving their time to the show and supporters sending some HBAR here and there. This show is by far one of my favorite things to do. If you're interested in becoming a supporter of the show, please consider making an HBAR donation. It helps me continually add value to the Hashgraph community and keeps the show ad-free. You can send a donation to enthusiast.hbar or uh, the full HBAR address can be found in the Twitter thread pins at the top. Brought to you by listeners like you. Also, shout out to the Hashgraph Enthusiast Twitter community. There's like almost 900 members in there. Great spot. Get connected. See what's going on. It's a vibe. Now, let's dive into it. I've got uh, Perfect Ability up here. Going to give us the Reddit report. So there is a Hedera community subreddit. Reddit is a great place for these kinds of crypto conversations. It's really long form um, and perfect abilities, like always on the pulse. To be honest, I don't know how you find a lot of the information and stories you find, but I'm interested to see kind of what's the what's the top stuff from the uh, from the subreddit. I'm excited. Uh, yeah, Brandon, it's uh, it's good to be back. And uh, so we are really close to witnessing the moment that Lehman knew would eventually come. The moment where the thousands of shady crypto projects get whittled down to a few major players who have prioritized transparency and being regulatory compliant. The SEC is bringing down the hammer on crypto. And the fact that Hedera is being left out of all of this says that they are in a better standing with the SEC and are one of the good guys. If you've been following along with the future of digital assets, providing clarity for digital assets, spot markets, uh, brought to you by the House uh, Committee on Agriculture. Uh, but I sleep good at night, um, you know, knowing that Lehman and Mance took every precaution along the way, you know, from doing the SAP notice of exempt offering of securities or known in a startup world as Form D. Um, and their discipline um, is um, it's being reflected as many, you know, other players are being labeled as security by the SEC because in some cases they didn't do what Mance and Lehman did. Uh, there was also a kind of cool and funny segment uh where chaster had a um had a say where he said that and hedera he doesn't even go to the bathroom without being accompanied by two lawyers present so every step that hedera does is you know orchestrated and planned um and i feel that you know maybe a few of the big use cases that we know we're currently waiting for um I think they're just worrying for, you know, clear regulations. Uh, you know, we saw, for instance, you know, the risk of, you know, running, um, you know, say like an application, for instance, I think uh, Nike ran some NFTs on Polygon, but, you know, now Polygon is being labeled uh, security. So I'm pretty sure Nike is just going to, you know, stop doing what they're doing because, hey, you know, like they don't want trouble. And the name of the game when it comes to enterprises, you know, being compliant. Uh, so I can see as, you know, like the big use cases, they're just waiting for clear clarity because they don't want to, you know, risk it like a little NFT project, you know, might be good. You're not really taking any risk, but, you know, when you're doing billions and, you know, like potentially trillions of dollars in assets, then, you know, you got to make sure that everything is, uh, you know, is right. Um, with all that being unfolding, I think that we will see people start to move over to Hedera soon. Uh, for the same reason that, you know, these enterprises have chosen to build and be with Hedera. Um, it's no accident that we're doing twice as much TPS as all the rest of the DLTs or the cryptoverse combined. Enterprise, if they are thinking straight, are not going to want a chain that forks. Uh, 
enterprise likely take a different views, a different view uh, of the Hadarian approach to decentralization. It's modeled after Visa's governance. They likely see a geographically diversified and diversified across industry and institutional verticals or councils and known others vastly superior to turning the fate of their Web3 or DLT, uh, DLT integrated operation over to an anonymous and therefore an unaccountable crowd, a group of Chinese miners or a small coterie of founders and programmers. Um, we are a true ABF, ABFT DLT. Some are just BFT and others make claim of ABFT that just don't really check out. Um, we are infinitely scalable. Uh, there isn't another DLT that actually demonstrates real use case scalability in the are currently live. Some, some like Seoul uh, claim that you know they can do it, but that's been proven to be you know not uh, as they you know advertised. Um, our ecosystem presents existing support enterprise scales apps with our updated EVM, hashboard, etc. They can build now, so we are open. We can take enterprise now, you know, not tomorrow. Like we are ready to, um, you know, on board. Um, and we also have begun to see many, you know, Web three first uh, residential and commercial real estate tokenization, uh, the Karate Sport franchise, which is the first of its kind, uh, and the Juice First, which you know takes real life objects and you know takes them into the uh, metaverse. Uh, we also had. Uh, the coupon bureau that came with some updates uh, that were pretty neat. Yeah, this was this was really interesting. Mm -hmm. So currently, um, we have Elden Fresh Food, and we have one store in Alexandria, Alexandria, Minnesota. Lowe's Market. We have a hundred and forty-one total stores, including four Aces uh, store location in Texas, New Mexico, Cal uh, Colorado, Arizona, and one store in Kansas. Legree's. Uh, Legree's, yeah, three stores in Colorado. Food Depot, we have 42 locations in Georgia. Hardig Drug, we have 24 locations in Iowa, Illinois, and Wyoming. And this is the new, um, um, the new connectivity in 23Q2 through uh, Q4 that they announced. So high school pharmacy, hardware and variety stores, 32 stores in Wyoming, or sorry, Washington and Oregon. Uh, national grocery uh, retailer, uh, 900 store location uh, nationwide, uh, late May. Uh, the first one is in late May as well. I skipped that one. Uh, one of the largest nation uh, national drug retailer. So that could be, you know, maybe CVS or, you know, Walgreens. Um, super excited about that. Um, you know, lots of coupons, uh, you know, for pharmaceuticals. Uh, they're always trying to get you, you know, to get like cream or, you know, like Tylenol or whatever. Um, and one of the largest mass retailers and pre-holiday 2023, early October. So, um, you know, that can be anyone's guess. Yeah, that's that's crazy that like because we don't know the names of the exact retailers they're going to go to. But some of those numbers and and finally seeing some kind of more specific roadmap for this use case is exciting but I'm like cautiously optimistic. Right. And, um, you know, I think it's going to be like a, like a lot of people think that it's just going to be like a bunch of TPS, but I see kind of like a gradual, like, you know, steady climb as more and more people, uh, you know, get used to, uh, you know, the digital coupon. 
but uh, I've been following what Brandy's been, you know, putting up. And, uh, you know, I started a little bit slow, but they're getting some traction. So, um, you know, still an exciting case that's, uh, uh, you know, going to start to just, you know, bloom. Yeah. I, I What I understood from them, especially what Brandy would, would be saying, is kind of like the main roadblock is just re- retailers not wanting to kind of, you know, like old dog learning new tricks kind of thing. And I, if, that seems kind of like the the most of the delay, it, it seems to me. Right. No, totally. Um, but, you know, it's turning around. Um, and then there was a really cool Hedera ecosystem with Swirls Lab interview with Eric Pacini, Swirls Lab CRO and COO. He said some really interesting things. And here are the three things that stood uh, um that stood out to you know me and the Reddit community. He said, I quote, so the goal for us is to move from 30 to 39 council members in the next few months. So I know they mentioned that you know they were gonna have the full council member by the end of the year, but you know, they didn't even say and they just said a few months, so you know, like it could be three months or you know, because I like because I know something that we've talked about on the show a lot is like um Brett McDowell at the the, the um, chair of the board at, at Hedera would, you know, his, through his experience, he was kind of like, you don't want to fill it up too quickly, but, you know, maybe, maybe we're, we're back on track to really accelerate that. I don't know. It seems, it seems really kind of out of left field to me. It's exciting, but it seems out of left field. Yeah. Well, let's go. <laughs> uh, second thing is all of uh quote, all those companies, Google, Dell, and many others, are building their own version of a business application on the top of the network because they see significant value from a supply chain point of view, a payment point of view, an NFT point of view, DeFi, tokenization, and ESG sustainability. So we have a lot of different use cases lead by council members. One of the 30, or a few of them together, to build the future of business application on Hedera. So we are really excited by the commitment of those members and more to come. So that is really cool. You know, they're going to work together to, you know, create these um, awesome enterprise applications. And yeah, like it's, you know, everyone working together to, uh, for the greater goal. Let's go. Yep. Uh, three, few things you guys are, quote, few things you guys need to track. First thing is around ESG and sustainability. Pretty much half the council members today and more to come are working on using Hedera for sustainability purposes. So, for example, to track their carbon footprint or to be able to offer in their own clients to be able to track their CO2 emission. So I'm thinking of ServiceNow building a solution on top of Hedera for this. So those are the three main things that really, um, um, you know, stuck out to me. Um, and I, like you said, it was pretty aggressive and awesome uh, interview. There was a lot, um, you know, to digest here. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big, yeah, I'm a, and I'm a big fan of some of these higher level characters at Swirls and these other uh, other governing council members um, that kind of speak directly and have that inside knowledge and and are, are really kind of helping steer the ship. It's always really fascinating to get those insights. So it's a real treat when they do these interviews. Yep. Um, and I like to end it with a really cool stat. We hit 10,592 max TPS. Yeah. So that, so that breached the throttle, obviously, but like, I don't know if the throttle operates like literally a hard cutoff, never, maybe there's like a little bit of give, but it's like, 
I guess we hit the throttle. You know, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, I think Lehman mentioned that um, it is throw like a 10K, but it, it can go over. Like it won't really, right. you know, like affect the consensus. Wild. Mm-hmm. Right on. Well, that's exciting stuff. Like, th- like those are, I- I've noticed too, like those have been really big conversation drivers. I mean, especially the TPS thing and, and activity on the main net has been really exciting because for a while, you know, it was pretty much a lot of that test net activity got moved over to the main net, which was at my IO. But now it's kind of feeling like we have this new batch of things coming up because there's thousands of transactions on the test net happening all the time. And it's really exciting. Um, and what, when you think about that and these different spikes in kind of these max TPSs and the average kind of almost being held at a thousand, you know, consistently, it's, 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 pretty crazy the 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 growth just in that kind of aspect of the network has been really interesting to see unfold yeah and it's i love watching the kind of the charts you know like i'm right. drawing glass or and it, you just kind of see like just like they're just like stairs and they just like keep going it just makes you wonder like you know when's the next you know step uh step function you know like what's this graph gonna look like it's just gonna like blow everything and it's just really cool like you know to just follow the stats and just seeing the growth of the, the whole you know ecosystem it's uh it's just been, you know, like nice to follow. Oh, yeah. along I mean, what one fascinating thing, one cool update this week was um, uh, from Swirls, uh, Joshua, Cindy, he published a new tool called hbar.watch. Um, I know he's listening. I mean, Joshua, if you want to come up to the stage real quick just to, to chat for a minute about this, it'd be cool. He's got a website where um, you basically can watch activity on the mainnet, but you can filter the transactions you see by um, transfer amount. So it's actually really interesting to kind of see not only how many transactions are moving across uh, the the network, but also kind of what is their actual value in dollars and just kind of watch that tick up. So it's hbar.watch and it's like really, 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 really interesting. Um, and really happy that uh i was able to get um joshua up here so this is a cool website man like from what i can see you kind of just set a threshold see transactions roll through that fit your criteria you see a ticker go up of value on the network but like um how does this actually work like what like this is really fascinating um yeah so uh the idea is essentially it just uh queries the public mirror node um it's all client side, so it's just an HTML file and some JavaScript. So your computer is basically directly calling the mirror node, and it's filtering the transactions uh, by some some values that you specify on the on the front end. Um, <clears throat> the The project like is funny because I I'm I'm not a programmer by trade. Uh, I'm not very good at it, but with a feeding uh, chat GPT the uh, mirror node documentation and at telling it to do specific things um, it was able to write the thing for me uh, within a day so um, yeah that's awesome okay so not only was this a collab between you and the AI but it's really unique like what so while I have you up here like what was the reason you wanted to create this like how would maybe somebody in the community find this useful like what way would you, would you recommend that they use this um so 
it, it can be used a, a couple different ways, but I, I think it's just like a, a key metric for the network in that if, if you sit on that page and you set a threshold high enough, uh, you'll see some transactions roll in that are, are, are quite, quite large. Um, I had it running in the background and I set the threshold to like a hundred thousand dollars, um, and, and saw like four or five, $4 million transactions roll through and it, it pinged me in the background. Um, and I actually asked, uh, some of the people at Swirls Labs what those transactions were. And it happened to be us, uh, moving some, some funds around. Um, but I, I wouldn't have had any idea that any of that was happening without this tool. Um, so there, there is some available availability to, to get those insights now. Um, and, and the project is open source, so anyone can, can run it locally. Um, actually, yeah, if you download the, the project and just run the HTML locally, it'll work. Um, but also it's on GitHub. So if you have any feature requests or ideas for things that you would like to see, uh, just open an issue and I'll, I'll see if the AI can pump it out for you. I love that. That's awesome. The next step is just literally plugging GPT into the GitHub so it can read the requests and then just program them and push them to the repository. (laughs) Absolutely. I love it. Well, thanks for coming up, man. This is super fascinating. I love it. Um, so yeah, that's wild. That's a big topic that, that the community has been talking about is like, there's transactions, sure, but like, what's the actual value moving through the network? And I have the website open. I just have the default settings where it's like minimum transfer amount 100 um, and set the alert threshold to 50,000. And just as we've been chatting, uh, 2,500 bucks in value of HBAR transactions move through. So that's kind of cool. Like, it's interesting. I, 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 I dig it. Um, so right on, I'm going to dive into it. Perfect ability. Was there any other, uh, stuff you wanted to share, um, with everybody before I, uh, start unpacking the rest here? Uh, no, that was pretty much it. Um, uh, thanks for having me again. And, um, you know, love you guys. Let's dive into something I want to talk about real quick, which is the H bar foundation and the relationship that it has with, um, I don't want to say, I don't want to say retail. I mean, I think I feel people throw around the term retail a lot. I think it's more just like, um, uh, kind of like community projects, Pe- projects people might f- deem as kind of like on the lower rung of the ladder beneath kind of like startup and enterprise. Um, and <clears throat> this kind of comes at it from a place of, uh, just, it's been, it's been a year, like over a year of the HBAR Foundation existing, right? And the Hashgraph Association. And a lot happens um, in, in that amount of time. That's, that's an eternity in the technology industry. <clears throat> and I think that at the same time that so much has changed, I don't, I don't know if the HBAR Foundation has, has made necessary changes that they've had to make. But I mean, I just want to be really clear up front. The HBAR Foundation is overwhelmingly a net positive to the ecosystem. Um, it's incredibly difficult to do what they're doing. And I know a lot of people clown on them where it's like, oh, they said they had $5 billion to invest. Now look at them. They don't have any money. Well, it's like everything's gone down, guys. You know, it's 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 not easy out there. And it's it's 
pretty bold to invest so aggressively into an ecosystem, especially right now. And nothing's clear. Um, and I think that the work that the HBAR Foundation does is, is, is crucial. But there are, I think, maybe I'll just like, for lack of a better term, blind spots that the foundation has that may be um, putting a bit of drag on some on some of their efforts in certain respects. Um, I'm not really going to talk about the enterprise side. I mean, the foundation, in in my opinion, has had some really good success. A lot of those different fish they're trying to catch take a long time to reel in. That's just the nature of things. And it's they're really dealing with a lot of abstracts. So that's difficult. But when I look at the foundation, right, the HBAR foundation, I look at what they deem important. And from what I can piece together, just observing what's going on publicly is really they're focused on startups that can generate revenue, but also startups that can onboard new users to Hedera. So basically working from the outside in. And something, for example, a star, let's say a project on Hedera working on something that's maybe some kind of like novel infrastructure or something like that that's kind of new. Maybe there's some kind of like DAO thing or some kind of new take on a marketplace or something like that that maybe doesn't really have those revenue generating um, opportunities is definitely less likely. And, and it's, and it's interesting and it's strange and interesting. I find sometimes because there are conversations where I listen to some of the things that people are working on with incredibly sparse resources and the amount that they're able to accomplish is crazy. And honestly, it's because there is this deep belief and almost culture around hashgraph technology. And there's like this passion. And for me, the issue is, is that there's this glowing, it, it's like, it's kind of like what fires you want to feed, right? You've got limited gasoline, what fires you want to feed? And there's this red hot glowing ember that is these, you know, very small little startups in the Hedera ecosystem, serving people in the Hedera ecosystem that I don't think are really getting a lot um, thrown on them. And it's, it, it's kind of strange to me. And what it really comes down to is this is like, Mance Harmon earlier this year said he was on, what show was he on? He was on the Paul Barron show. And Paul Barron asked him kind of like, so as Hedera adds more validators and, uh, and adds more governing council members, the network will continue seeing more growth. And again, like I'm saying, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but Mance basically um, kind of stopped him and said like, well, actually we don't depend on governing council members for the growth of the network. Um, it's actually the community initiatives that grow the network. We don't depend on the governing council for growth. We depend on the governing council for governance. And again, like this is, this con this conflicts a little bit with other people's opinions. Um, like you could very well look at what Rob Allen talked about recently on the H Barbell show, um, talking about how he really thinks that 
governing council members could be doing multiple use cases. So there's all different ways to look at this, but the the, the key thing here is that even from the HBAR Foundation's tweet yesterday, asking people to kind of like, um, you know, bring, bringing attention to the fact that hashtag HBAR was trending, getting the community involved, there's great value in the community and the results driven by the community are huge. Um, and I think that there could be a little more attention put to that. Like, to, to be frank, paying the rent of one developer could have a, a pretty big impact on the network. Just one developer that's that's working on some kind of thing that the community needs, whether it be easier onboarding or whether it be some kind of some piece of infrastructure or what have you, um, just just having their rent paid, you know, could be a huge boon to the to the ecosystem. And maybe they've been grinding away for years. Maybe they've been leading an ecosystem wide effort while holding down a job. Like that's unicorn sparkle stuff. Like that's the, that's the stuff that industries are made of. And the thing is, is that I get the argument that Hedera has a small total, total addressable market, right? I mean, what is it? What are the, what are the recent statistics? There's like maybe 10,000 or maybe, maybe like 20,000 or some odd, um, individuals actually, um, transacting and, and doing these types of things natively on the network, right? Which, which will grow, but you know, that market's very small. And I understand why that may not be a super attract, why a startup focusing on, on that small of an audience might not be that attractive. Um, and I kind of see this, you know, firsthand as, as well, like just, you know, the, the, it's, it's, it's a logical decision, but I mean, there are people who literally are creating the total addressable market. Like, it, it will grow. And I'm talking about Hedera native, right? Like I'm talking about kind of Hedera things built for Hedera people. And I get that that's kind of like a bit of a bubble mentality, but um, like, who cares? I mean, the, the more that you can spin up that flywheel, the faster that total addressable market's going to grow. I mean, if you've got people in the ecosystem that have been steeped in Hedera for so long and working on these things so hard um, and they don't really have a lot of these resources. Like that's passion. Like that's, that's, that's an incredible momentum that needs to be tapped into. And especially in bear markets like this, like those, th those folks don't, don't really make it, you know, they, they really don't, they're just trying to pay the rent. And I think that a lot of these incredible opportunities that, Truly, the, the HBAR Foundation is set up to take advantage of, um, could really pass them by. And the situation can easily turn from, you know, I was able to do this because of the HBAR Foundation to I was able to do this in spite of the HBAR Foundation. And I see it going that direction. And I, I just don't think that's healthy. You know what I mean? Um, because truly, like, again, I'm talking these kind of quote unquote community projects. And I use quotes because, you know, um, let, let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. I do think that there is a certain air of elitism sometimes. I think that you could look at an undoxed developer with a goofy profile picture um, of an NFT project, punk type thing 
or even just an NFT collector, you know, that, that, uh, is, you know, a lot of these people have like incredible ideas and arguably like fully developed plans and strategies for how the ecosystem could be grown from within and behind that, um, profile picture and maybe undoxed identity are like literally like lawyers, accredited investors, experienced founders, like who have been steeped in this ecosystem for years, literal like experts and pioneers just kind of tucked away, you know, waiting to be found, waiting to be polished a little bit. But in some cases, they end up in a situation where they're almost invited to leave and they feel that way. And they don't because the technology is so good, because the community is so good. And I just see this situation where the foundation finds themselves in a position where they may be, they may have some misplaced fear because these are scary times. Like just as much as any little NFT project or investor um, in, in, in any network, there's, it's freaky times. It's, it, and, and that goes also goes for Hedera and the HBAR Foundation and other networks as well. Those at the top are also kind of like freaked out. And to reference Amazon and Jeff Bezos, which the foundation loves to do, um, back when Amazon was really, really tiny, uh, they had competition from Barnes and Noble that also wanted to do e-commerce book selling and everybody at Amazon was terrified. And so they called an all hands meeting and basically Jeff Bezos said, listen, why would we be scared of the competition? They're not going to generate any revenue for us, right? We need to be we need to have fear in the customer. We need to be we that's where our focus needs to be. And to be honest, based off of, again, what the foundation, their actions, the Hedera's actions, kind of the, the that kind of um, enterprise ecosystem, they always celebrate um, wins by the community, initiatives by the community, um, creations by the community. And they often rely on those things and tout them as successes. And I really think that more so realizing that the amount of investment required to generate an impact is so small. It really is something as simple as just paying a developer's rent for a little bit could make all the difference for the ecosystem because that's literally what it is. It is, we're in a Web3 world and we're at a point right now that to one person can create so much, right? I mean, look at what's happened with Bitcoin ordinals. Like it's it's just a couple people on a laptop, it seems like. And then you have like a bazillion dollars of liquidity flowing through and it's this thriving thing. So that power is there if you have that momentum. And I think that, you know, what it really comes down to is are people at the foundation using some of these products that they celebrate, right? How many NFTs, how many community NFTs do they own? Because if they don't think that that's valuable, right, then why would they celebrate that as major wins for the network? You know, sometimes you can help out a project just by 
you know, participating in the community. Sometimes a lot of these projects don't even need money. They just want someone, they just want a decision maker to show up to the Twitter space. You know, really it's one of those things where it's not that much. If you, if you were to look at a pie of the total contribution of the HBAR foundation to the ecosystem, the community is just asking for a little tiny piece, you know? And I think that, you know, to wrap up my thoughts on this, there's blood in the streets and now is the time, it, people on the ropes, now is the time to in, invest aggressively in this core ecosystem. Sure, there's going to be winners. Sure, there's going to be losers. There's probably going to be more losers than winners. And yes, a lot of these people building in the ecosystem are not maybe incredibly experienced. Maybe, maybe we joke about them living in their mom's basement and developing. Maybe they are. Who cares? Because they're doing the things that we celebrate. They're, they're building some of this core infrastructure. So why not invest in that? Because it's not going to be hundreds of thousands of dollars. It could just be a couple grand that makes all the difference to some of these people. So, and it might not even be money. Again, it might just be enough to just show up. There's just, I feel so much untapped potential. Um, and I think that there's just some misplaced fear. I think that the HBAR Foundation be a, should be a little less fearful about what's going on externally and a little more fearful about um, what's going on internally um, because I see an unfortunate situation forming. But the upside is, is that just as I've said, there's brilliant people in the ecosystem building. The HBAR Foundation is full of brilliant people. I think it's time that more connective tissue is developed between those two communities and and. I think that that's just going to be big. And now if, there's no better time to do it than now. When everyone's on the ropes, there's, there's, do the work, put in the work, put in, you know, actually, you don't even have to put in the legwork. There's people that I think are willing to do it for the foundation from the community. I think really all it is about is just, I, I know it's a risky endeavor, but take a chance. HBAR Foundation, take a chance on, the community a little more than usual and just keep taking those chances. I think it'll pay off. Um, and they're small chances, tiny, tiny, tiny little chances. So that's my thought on, that's my thoughts on that. And also just the last note, if anyone at the foundation's a Paul Graham fan, read about the, um, uh, don't worry, but like the, the, pa the paper that he has about scaling, um, Paul Graham, Sorry, I'm just typing here. Do things that don't scale. Um, that's kind of the that's kind of the main thing. Is like check out that article. It's pretty pretty cool. But anyways, love the foundation, love the community, but we need more love in between the two. Let's make it happen. We can do it. Also, uh, the foundation held a pretty cool Twitter Spaces on May thirtieth which was kind of right after my, my spaces before I went on the little vacay there. And I want to share some quick insights from that spaces because they were actually pretty, pretty cool. Um, Elaine from the, uh, from, from uh, the HBAR Foundation says, ideal governing council members are using the network. The HBAR Foundation is focused on helping governor council, uh, governing council members discover ways to use the network. So obviously what that tells me is Maybe there's a little bit more of an increased appetite on the part of kind of governing council members and some of these enterprises and some of that kind of, um, you know, product development, research, those types of things. I think that 
helping them identify ways to leverage the network is important. So that's cool. She also says that they're in a quote, second phase of the governing council. I don't quite know what that means. I think maybe she's referring to some of these term limits coming up or maybe just in a general sentiment. I can relate to that. Like I've talked about it on the show often. It does feel like there's definitely a bit of a different vibe with the governing council. So I think that I could see that. Like maybe we're in a second phase of the governing council. It's a new vibe. Um, I can I can see that. Uh, also on the spaces was Brady from Swirls with some pretty cool things. So Brady says kind of on the question of what's going to be happening with future governing council members, right? We saw the recent one at Google. They had the one last year in Dubai. And we heard Christian Hasker talking about how um, in-person governing council meetings are so much better than the virtual ones. You know, it's it's two hours versus three days, um, tons of FaceTime and networking and and ideation, right? Versus just like a Zoom call. But Brady said there's gonna be they're gonna be mostly virtual going forward. In-person meetings might happen at a cadence of two times a year. It's hard to match up schedules. Um, hopefully Hedera becomes a bigger priority. That's what he said right there. And 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 again, I think this is kind of some of the behind the scenes stuff that we don't see. Um, when it's said kind of like hopefully we're gonna have more in-person meetings when Hedera becomes a higher priority. Um, that kind of tells me that, you know, these these enterprises and these governing council members have a lot on their plate, but I think that um we can look to that possibly as an indicator of growth of the network, seeing more in-person governing council meetings might mean that Hedera is increasing in priority for the governing council and kind of the enterprise space in general. So that's going to be something I'm looking for. If they're, if they're saying it's going to be two, or sorry, if Brady is saying it's going to be two times a year, how my brain works is I go, let, if it can get to maybe three or four or five times a year, that must mean something substantial behind the scenes. Elaine also highlights that Google is a very sophisticated and impactful governing council member. So I think more so than we realize, like Google is really kind of top dog when it comes to understanding Web3, uh, ability to implement it, all those different types of things. So I think more and more we're learning how important of a governing council member Google is. Um, Brady highlighted um, that uh, Hedera ranked number three from 2018 to today on sentiment for development activity um, in the GitHub repository. So there's a link to the methodology used for that ranking in Brady's tweet. Uh, but that was really interesting to me. Um, kind of th these these benchmarks for development on the network, Hedera always has kind of ranked high. But with this specific me methodology, like ranking number three for basically like five years, like that's um, pretty wild. Um, they're also, so Brady also says they want to create a new way, similar to Solana's blog post last year, to scan GitHub for projects tied to the Hedera SDK to paint a bigger picture of what's being built. So something I think that's been missing is the ability to look kind of at the whole um, diaspora of Hedera and kind of what exactly is going on, who's leveraging the network. Because, you know, it's Web3, we don't know. But would there be a possible way to kind of map that out and say like, there's X amount of use cases, you know? So I think that, again, developing some kind of um, a, new, a new way to do that is going to be really fascinating. 
Um, and he also, Brady also kind of tied in to say that they want to be building a dashboard that's going to highlight all the info for the NFT ecosystem. So kind of more on NFT specifically. Um, interesting. I mean, there's some like, you know, you've got the Zeus market basic charts, but then you've got like NFT with a lot of their more advanced analytics and some of these other platforms. Hedera doing kind of an in-house NFT dashboard is, is, is interesting. Right. But, you know, again, it's kind of like some of the, some of those snowballs are already rolling, like maybe just accelerate some of those who knows. Um, uh, this is, this is also really interesting. So they wanted Brady emphasized that Hedera doesn't focus on number of accounts so much. They focus on active accounts which was really great to hear because I got that sense. Um, I really, really dislike companies and um, brands that that kind of use those those kind of vanity metrics. Like my eyes will roll if I hear like, oh, we have this many followers or we have this many accounts or we have this or that. Like even like Facebook saying like, oh, we've got, you know, a bazillion accounts. It's like, but that doesn't really matter. Um, what matters is, you know, how many actual people are using the network. So it's good to hear that, that Hedera is kind of on that, on that track. Um, it's, you know, it's very similar to, this, to the issue with Solana of like real TPS versus fake TPS. It's kind of right in that pocket that you kind of want to stay out of. Um, Brady also said he's working on a chart, like a cohort analysis that shows the retention of active accounts in the ecosystem. It's going to outline per week the people who did their first NFT transaction and came back in subsequent weeks to do another NFT transaction. Um, so right now that is at 25 to 35% of users um, that stay in the ecosystem. And, and he kind of said, you know, stacking up against other networks, that's very good. Um, so that's also going to be interesting. Um, you know, Brady also wants to see a, a DeFi dashboard. Um, any, any kind of like wrapping this up and the, why I'm talking about this a little bit is it kind of segues into our next topic, but having a source of truth, having these dashboards that kind of surface this information that might not align specifically with other networks is going to be really important because how else are you going to gauge success in the network without this information? So similar to what jo well, Joshua was talking about with his. Um, HBAR watch website, seeing value in transactions over the network. It's similar. It's like, what's the next data point? What's something else that we can reference? How can we find correlation between different things um, and, and have it be a source of truth? So DeFi dashboard, NFT dashboard, um, you know, all these different kind of uh, data points being surfaced. It sounds exciting. Like, so I'm going to be tuned into that. I'm looking forward to seeing more of that and uh, hopefully talking about some of those stats on the show. But this kind of goes into something else um, that, that, I, that was on my mind this week. I was watching the recent uh, episode from uh, the HBAR Bull and Brandon, I don't know if you're around, but I'd love to have you up real quickly just to talk about the the TVL versus um, TVR. And this this conversation was kind of sparked because, um, you know, it, it Aberdeen governing council member right tokenized a a twenty billion dollar portion of one of their money market funds, which is huge. It's crazy. So. If you look at Hedera, um, you know, we've got, you know, like tens of millions of dollars in TVL, right? Total value locked. 
but we've got, you know, $20 billion or sorry, 20, 20, uh, yeah, 20 billion dollars in TVR. And so that sounds kind of crazy. So kind of like, what is that? What is TVL? What is TVR? Um, and this is kind of the breakdown um, that uh, that Brandon from the H Bar Bull provided. So we got total value locked, which we're all familiar with. It's a metric usually measured in US dollars used to measure the total value of digital assets that are locked or staked in a particular decentralized finance, DeFi platform or distributed application, DAP. The higher the TVL, the more trustworthy the platform. And then TVR is kind of this new one that Scott Thiel from DLA Piper was talking about last year or maybe the year before that was total value represented. That's um, really interesting because it talks about not just value that's kind of staked or locked in a DeFi capacity, but actual tokenized real-world assets. Um, so a metric usually measured in US dollars used to measure the total value of traditional financial TradFi assets on a distributed ledger technology platform by issuing an entity. So stocks, bonds, real estate, commodities, fiat currency. And so this is really kind of been brought into question because it's like, okay, we've got, you know, $20 billion TVR. <laughs> you know, that's very interesting, but nobody else, there's no other crypto network that talks about TVR. There's no way to track it. And Brandon, you kind of highlighted an interesting way that we could potentially kind of like surface that information, highlight it as almost like a KPI for the network. Um, you mentioned kind of just displaying that on the Hedera website or other use case websites where it would show this much TVR on the network. I was really curious about your thoughts on on that kind of topic and maybe expanding a little bit about what you were talking about on your episode. Yeah, sure. Happy to. It's it's an interesting shift, right? So because the whole Web3 or the crypto ecosystem is is focused on things that are trading on DeFi platforms because those are the cryptocurrencies that are out there. They've put a big emphasis on total value locked. And there, there's a couple of reasons, you know, that that's important. Number one, I mean, it's it shows the health of those DeFi ecosystems. But it also, some of the assets that are put into those liquidity pools, they they can't move, right? They can't be then sold into the market unless you remove from the liquidity pool and then you have to go through a few steps to actually sell them. And of course, the native cryptocurrencies like HBAR would be uh, part of that. And that's certainly one aspect. But when you look at it, uh, the total value represented, obviously, and... <laughs> Eventually, everything is going to be tokenized. We, we've said this over and over and over again. But, you know, that's a huge pool of potential assets that could be secured. So number one, just like with total value locked, it shows how much these entities might trust a network, right? Just as, a, as, as the first step. But also, I always fall back on, you know, as Hedera, as the entire entity, we want to make sure that we're sustainable first. And that's going to come from driving revenue, which means fees, which is why we pay so much attention to um, TPS, the amount of transactions that are happening. Now, now we've also talked in the past about how not all value or transactions are, are created equal. You know, you have smart contract calls, which are five cents, you know, all the way down to, you know, something like an HCS call, which is only one one hundredth of a cent. Uh, but this is what where my mind immediately goes when I start thinking about TVR, because if these markets 
get tokenized, number one, and then those markets develop, that trading develops using some of this technology we're getting excited about, whether it's smart nodes with um, you know H-Suite or whether it's smart contracts uh, with a lot of the rest of the DeFi ecosystem. Those trades that will eventually happen at scale will mean revenue for the network that can be used to continue to build out the network, which can be used to incentivize nodes and incentivize token holders to secure the network. So that's where my mind immediately goes is the more assets we get on these uh, networks, and then we start to have like the digital commodities exchange, which actually starts having trading. And there's no point in having these uh, assets tokenized if you're not going to trade them. So it's the same thing with everything that was just tokenized, as you mentioned, the money market fund with um, uh, with Aberdeen or, uh, you know, Red Swan, you know, doing it with real estate. Same thing with Toco and Toco. They're not just focused on real estate, even though that was some of the first examples they've had. Uh, they want to expand to all markets, right? They just want to tokenize securities across the board. Uh, so that's kind of where my mind goes. I know I've been rambling there for a while. So if you have any questions, I'm... I'm... No, no, this, this is really fascinating. I think it's important. Like, I feel like um, or like in, in kind of months and years past, we were looking as a community at, you know, we, we judged growth of the network by the rate that governing council members were added to the, to the, to the governing council. Then we kind of shifted to kind of TPS, but I think that like the community is kind of in search of that next kind of KPI of like, because ultimately we're trying to like, what's the thing that correlates with price? And it's like, I don't think there is really something. I think it's a combination of factors, but I think that people's minds are kind of searching and latched onto this TVR thing because like you could, you could look at just the, the um, DLA Piper use case page on Hedera. It says 504 million um, estimated value tokenized worth of securities in 2021. And it's like, clearly there's a lot of value that, that can be basketed into TVR um, tokenized on Hedera. It could be well over $20 billion. And my question is kind of like, is there any precedent on other networks for this kind of like TVR or is it, or is it literally something Scott from DLA Piper pulled, pulled out of his ass? Like, I don't know what it is, you know? No, I think that's exactly right. I think it's it's a new concept. Um, it it's not unique in that um, I would consider all of the stable coins out there, the ones that are one hundred percent backed, all that is total value represented. Okay, that is part of it, but that's just the beginning because there are so many other securities and assets out there in the world that that are going to have to be tokenized as well. So that's just the beginning. And you go back to the, the other KPIs that we've looked at. I mean, in the very beginning, before um, there, Hedera had been announced and all that kind of stuff, but we would go through as a community, like, what are our dream council members? You know, and I remember people coming out when we would come out with some of those dream council members and say, hey, guys, hold your horses. I, I don't think we're going to get uh, to council members of that level. Let, let's just be happy if we get some good enterprises involved. And, you know, then we, we come out and now it's to get Dell Technologies is, is just almost expected, like with, with the other council members that we have. And then TPS, like you start off with ad stacks and they're doing millions of transactions per day. And we're excited about that. And then uh, it gets to the point where we have that myo, which we were expecting for a really long time, but it took a little bit longer than expected. Uh, and then it just keeps going. And as Mance said, you know, he thinks it's just a bump in the road, right? Once we get, you mentioned Coupon Bureau and some, you know, we have Internet of Things and all that stuff starts to really churn out. And then it's just a, a bump in the road. You know, what we saw from At My Own, it just gets bigger and bigger. And it, TVR is going to be the same way. 
even though that value is being locked, there's not a lot of trades being done with it right now. So it's not going to generate a lot of fees, but it's the direction in which we were going. When we start to see these things tokenized, they're not doing it for fun. They're doing it because they want to establish markets. And once those markets are established and we start to see significant trades done with them, that's when things are going to get, get exciting. And it, it's, it goes back to everything with Hedera. You see the pieces being put in place. You can kind of see what the future will be. You don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But once all these things come together, it's just going to be really exciting. And I, I mean, I see this as I cover this stuff. You cover it every week. As you see these pieces and parts start to come together, you kind of it gets clearer and clearer all the time which direction this is going. So uh, exciting to see. Oh, it's for huge. Sure. And you brought up a good point too, like stable coins and stuff. Like the, the argument could be made that you know, because you know, there's you know, fifty billion or whatever of USDT tokenized on you know the ethereum network like you could you could also argue that hedera isn't you know technically number one in regards to tvr um in comparison to other networks but it, it, it's you know very well the case that all these other networks don't really track tvr as a metric maybe they don't even know it that 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 scott just invented it on youtube but it makes a lot of sense and it and to me that's really that's a really interesting way to kind of stack up Hedera in comparison to other networks. So I'm really curious to kind of see like, is there a way to track TVR on Hedera? Is there a way to track it on other networks? And then is there a way to make a comparison? That's like really fascinating stuff. But as you said, it could happen so fast that it may not even matter. So, um, but what's really fascinating to me and maybe just one, one, one last thing I want to touch on with you was on the backdrop of all this like craziness happening with the SEC um, Binance, Coinbase, you know, Hedera putting out announcements like, hey, we're tokenizing securities and like billions of dollars of stuff. It's like, it feels completely removed from what's happening in the rest of crypto. And like, you know, I think that the consensus in the community is like Hedera is very well positioned for the kind of the choppy waters out there. You made some good observations on 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 your show this week, but like as we head into next week and as we kind of see the moves that Hedera is making, you know, tokenizing these real world assets, the carbon offset markets, all these different types of things. Like, do you see, um, do you see this kind of regulatory like situation that's plaguing the industry? Do you see that as like an opportunity potentially for Hedera or do you also see Hedera kind of like getting, a, getting a little bit kneecapped by that as well? What's happening right now in the U.S. regulatory environment isn't good. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to you know, sugarcoat that. Uh, it, it creates a lot of uncertainty. That's one thing enterprise and, and anybody that's building. I mean, I, I'm trying to build in, in this uh, ecosystem as well. That uncertainty is difficult to, to build around. There's, there's no question about that. But Hedera is really well positioned. And the best thing that we can do is continue to build these value add use cases, whether it's in supply chain, whether it's in carbon credits, whether it's in traditional financial markets. When you start to say things like it's three orders of magnitude, it's a thousand times more efficient than the traditional rails in Visa, you can't ignore those kind of things. Um, and it's not just you know in payments. There's so many other places where these efficiencies can be added. And that's all we need to do. We just need to continue to show this this value. And regardless of what you know the other side, the, the naysayers may say, the people, the decision makers, the ultimate decision makers are going to start to look at this and say, we can't ignore this. We can't give up on these kind of, of efficiencies because it's just going to pop up 
with our competitors, whether that, and I'm not saying that, you know, you know, our partners throughout the world are, are always competitors, but I mean, we want to, to have that onshore that we want that in the United States. Every jurisdiction should want that in, in their country to, to help their citizens, uh, you know, at the same time while protecting uh, consumers, you know, allowing everybody to have those efficiencies and, and enjoy the prosperity that, that could come from this. It's really, I say this a lot, it could unlock the economic p- potential of billions around the world. And that's not just good for those people that you're unlocking the economic potential for. That's good for all of us as well. We've seen what uh, capitalism can do. Um, and, and this is just the, the next phase of capitalism, in, in my opinion. Oh, it's yeah. A lot of people say it's kind of like the fifth industrial revolution. And it- and it's true. But I mean, also, you know, what's also true is there's just as much money to be made keeping inefficiencies in place. You know what I mean? It's like the Stone Age didn't end because we ran out of rocks. Um, and I think that Rob Allen said it really well on your show where he's kind of like, sure, you know, the U.S. is kind of not having such a great time embracing these innovations. But in other parts of the world uh, where Hedera operates, um, it's a completely different story. And so there's massive amounts of innovation happening over there that's that's largely unrestricted. And that's very, it's very exciting. Like there's, there's another aspect to it, which is like a truly global approach. So that's something optimistic for me is kind of like, you know, it, it, Hedera is a little bit bigger than this situation in a way. I feel a lot of other networks are, are bigger than this situation in a lot of ways, but it is true that um, these are, again, like a lot of them are American corporations. So the really kind of the last thing we want is a Hedera to incorporate, to, you know, move their LLC somewhere else or something like that. That's the last thing we would want. Um, but no, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's really, really good insight. So I honestly, Brandon, I feel that there's just going to be a switch over of perspective, um, like very high level, um, with what we're going through right now. And, stuff like TVR and different things like that is like, that's the start of it. It's a, it's a mentality shift. So um, that's awesome. Was there anything else you wanted to to touch on just before I, uh, I move on here? No, no, I think we yeah. covered it. You know, it's exciting to cover this space every week. You do the same thing uh, that I do in a, in a little bit different format, but um, it's, I'm excited to, to dig into these things every week. So uh, TVR is just the latest. I want to get some more insights because when Rob and I actually talked about all the TradFi stuff, we didn't know what was going to come out uh, about Aberdeen. So I want to get oh, wow. some of his perspective on this this upcoming week. Yeah, we had no idea. We, we knew we wanted to talk about TradFi because we uh, all the stuff that had happened with Toco, with Quarter, with uh, Red Swan, but we didn't know about um, Aberdeen yet. So it, it kind of worked out well. Um, but yeah, good conversations all That's around. That's crazy. Well, I appreciate Appreciate you uh, coming on the show and and uh, everyone make sure to check out um, Brandon's show. It, it goes up on Fridays, I believe. And, and he always does like a really cool teaser during the week too. So follow if you're not and uh, subscribe on the YouTube. It's, it's, the, it's the show that I depend on myself as well. Appreciate you, man. Well, th- thank you, Brandon. I do have to jump off real quick, but thanks All for right, having cheers. me. Cheers. Uh, okay. So what else is going on here? Um, we've got, blah, 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 blah. I mean, just on the tail end of those kind of regulatory discussions, I mean, um, you know, Binance had to end their withdrawals for for U.S. dollar. That's, you know, that's crazy. Hopefully it's temporary. But I mean, the SEC definitely has Binance on the ropes. There's opinions both ways. Um, some folks don't like Binance. Some folks maybe side with some of the opinions of the SEC. 
my opinion is really kind of like, listen, like it's exactly what Brandon was saying. It's the, we, you have to foster this innovation in some way. And if you don't have those, you know, if you don't put any effort into um, developing those frameworks for these companies, like they're going to just keep continually spin out and you're going to, yeah, you're going to have companies doing fraud and all sorts of different things like that. And um, I think that there's no excuse because many other countries are doing, are doing the exact opposite and, and seeing a lot of incredible innovation. So um, we had that news from Binance. Then we also had Robinhood ending support for Solana, Polygon, Cardano. A lot of these cryptos are just like literally these major networks. Like who would have thought you know, at the beginning of the year, if I were to tell you that, you know, Solana, Polygon, Cardano, and Matic and all these other cryptos are going to be delisted from these exchanges. Like you'd be like, that's crazy. Like, well, here we are. And it's, and it's kind of nuts. The, 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 the surface area exposure to retail has really been shrunk. Um, and it's really unfortunate. Now, a lot of people point to the fact that Hedera HBAR wasn't kind of clumped into that, right? Hedera has come out relatively unscathed. It's, I think, because, you know, for better and for worse, Hedera isn't, HBAR isn't really on many exchanges. Like HBAR is on a lot of the major exchanges, but there's also tons of other exchanges um, that Hedera is not on. Also, Hedera isn't really like that available in the US. Um, you'll notice very often in all sorts of different conversations on Twitter, on Reddit, people asking like, where can I get HBAR in the US? So there's definitely a bit of a bottleneck on that front. And people were also saying like, wow, Hedera wasn't even mentioned in any of this. That's technically not true. Um, so there was a trading pair, HBAR BUSD, uh, that was removed from Binance, um, some of those more advanced trading pairs. So technically, you know, HBAR was caught up in this in a very small way. Uh, I don't, I, I think it's zero impact. There's, it's, there's, it's not noteworthy in any way other than just saying technically not true. You know, I think that we have learned many, many times to, um, be humble or get humbled. And I think that, you know, let's, you know, in the, in the mess of all this kind of stuff, let's not get too excited about the fact that Hedera HBAR is not kind of in the line of fire. Um, Cause I think a lot of people think that until they are in the line of fire. So fingers crossed being optimistic. Um, let's switch it up here. Let's, let's go super positive tomorrow. I'm interviewing uh, Dr. Lehman Baird, co-founder of Hedera, co-CEO of Swirls inventor of the hash graph algorithm, uh, legend, video game enjoyer, um, always looking dapper. The guy always is rocking the tucked in shirt with the loafers and stuff like that. Some of these, I've seen him rocking new balances. The guy's got style. The guy's got swag. He's dripping. And I'm going to interview him and I'm going to interview him with Ryan from Genfinity, AKA King Solomon. And we're going to, we got a bunch of questions to ask him. I was actually just having a quick call with, with Ryan today and, and chatting about kind of what we want to interview him about and some of the questions. And it's going to be really interesting. I hope, I hope it's going to be a little fresh. Um, I like the, appro I, I, I like the approach that, you know, Genfinity takes to interviews is like, in my opinion, like, this is what I said. I said, listen, 
if I'm interviewing Dr. Lehman Baird, you know, um, any, like every minute that I'm talking is wasted. Um, I listen to so many interviews with Lehman and it's like, I wish he could talk for longer. I mean, we only get him for an hour. He's a busy guy. So in my opinion, every second that I'm talking is wasted. I want to, to the, I want this interview to be dense, fast moving, full of information and Lehman talking as much as possible. So really excited about that. So tomorrow on Genfinity, link is in the uh, thread. We go live. So Lehman joins at noon Eastern, but we're going live at 11.45 a.m., just 15 minutes before, you know, kind of like to hang out. I mean, Hashpack's going to be there. It's going to be a vibe. I mean, it'll be cool. We'll be chatting, and then Lehman will come by, and we'll interview him about some stuff, and then I'm pretty sure, like, you know, Lehman will have to head out. Maybe we'll talk a little more or something. So <clears throat> it'll be good. I've never been more excited for a Monday in my life. Um, and it's, you know, been a dream for a long time to interview Lehman. I mean, I've bumped into him in spaces, like, here and there or whatever, but... Um, I'm honestly like, I'm so pumped and just grateful that, uh, you know, Ryan, AKA King Solomon reached out and, uh, couldn't be more excited. So make sure to tune into that tomorrow, everybody definitely check that out. The info's uh, in the thread pinned to the top. Um, what else we got going on? I mean, this is what's hilarious too. We're what, like almost an hour and 20 minutes into the show sidebar here. I mean, the, we're we've still got a little bit to go remember i've got two weeks of news to cover so you know just a heads up but i mean in the midst of this is what's crazy right now let me let me kind of tell you how crazy things are right now yesterday hadera celebrated 11 billion transactions like 11 billion transactions and it was like nothing i i forgot i didn't even know it didn't even register to me and that's insane. Um, and again, it's, it's you know, crazy to see, again, on the backdrop of everything crazy happening right, right now, like Hedera is just like, oh, another billion transactions. Oh, another, you know, billion of securities tokenized. Oh, another this. And it's, it's, it is, it is really crazy. Um, and uh, the, as value on the network continues to go up exponentially, the price is in the gutter, my friends. Um, not financial advice, but make of that what you will. Some interesting tidbits uh, from the um, governing council meeting minute notes, which I found interesting. Um, two things. So uh, under the, where is it? Uh, yeah. So if we recall at the last governing council meeting hosted at Google, the big deal was the governing uh, the uh, uh, marketing committee was reestablished? So for those unfamiliar, in 2018, I think there was a marketing committee, right? And then it was dissolved. The marketing budget was reduced from eight million to two million per year. <clears throat> so marketing was like really made a low priority. And then last year, into kind of this year, it's like boom, you know, ten million dollar budget, uh, you know, a full team. And then as of the last governing council meeting. Um, you've got the marketing committee back. And so at this, this is the uh, meeting minutes from the April meeting, right? So this was the meeting before the one at Google. <clears throat> and I mean, shout out, I think uh, Ubisoft and another governing, Deutsche Telekom, 
they showed up uh, for their meeting, which I mean, good for you, but I mean, you should show up to more. I think it's literally the first one. Um, so at this governing council meeting, Christian Hasker said, <clears throat> or sorry, it says here, uh, Christian Hasker addressed the proposal at the March 8th, 2023 governing council meeting to reactivate the marketing committee under the proposed marketing committee charter that was circulated to council members before the meeting. Christian shared that several individuals had been nominated to run for the co-chair positions. We already talked about that after being moved and seconded the council members approved reactivating marketing committee. Um, so that, so that's kind of a, a, an interesting tidbit is like formally um, reactivating that marketing committee. It, it seems to me that marketing is becoming more of a focus. I wish that they had this kind of focus during the last bull market, but I mean, you know, what can you do? Um, what else was, what else was in here? Um, let me see here. Oh, um, this was also really interesting too. One other update, uh, under the Hedera contributor compensation program, uh, from Tom Sylvester, which is the general counsel and secretary, uh, Thomas introduced potential revisions to the Hedera contributor compensation program for directors, committee co-chairs and transaction signers and council members discussed whether Hedera should further restructure participating criteria. It was agreed that the present plan would remain in place for H1, half one of 2023, and that the governing council would review larger changes to the plan in the future meetings. So we're entering half two of 2023. Um, so it sounds like there's going to be some rethinking and restructuring in regards to some of those board member compensations that we've been talking about for a while. That's going to be interesting. Um, so those are some tidbits from the governing council meeting uh, worth checking out. Um, what else? We, what, what else we've been talking about? Oh, just circling back really quick on that conversation I was having with Brandon earlier, um, the H bar bull on that kind of like total value locked versus total value represented. This was really interesting. I did a poll on uh, Twitter. Um, so we've got just over 300 votes and this was fascinating. I asked, what's the best KPI for Hedera, right? KPI being key performance indicator, like TVL or TVR, which one is most important for growth of the network? And I was kind of surprised, like 51% voted for TVL and 49% voted for TVR. So clearly TVR is more important than I thought. Like I was honestly expecting people to be like TVL all day, every day. Um, cause TVL is what all the other networks use short term. It seems like a really great way to communicate growth, but I mean, clearly people are very excited about the prospect of TVR. So worth highlighting, um, that the community is definitely more excited about that than I thought. Um, on the topic, a $750,000 home in Colorado was fractionally tokenized on Hedera by DLA Piper through their toco platform. So that was really interesting. Um, and yeah, that's, ba that's basically the story. Like there's a trial, uh, program clearly of tokenizing just regular everyday real estate, um, on Hedera in a fractional fashion. So people can invest in real estate. This is very similar to what Red Swan was doing that we were talking about on episode 77, I think, um, where Red Swan was going to be tokenizing billions of dollars of commercial real estate using their new kind of tech stack for 
SEC compliant, um, you know, real world asset or security tokenization. That was fascinating. And of course we have governing council member DLA Piper doing this as well. So it just appears to me that real world asset tokenization is just starting to ramp up in a new way. And that's not even including some of the carbon market uh, stuff that, that has been talked about um, quite extensively. And so my, my head kind of spins sometimes where I'm kind of like, whoa, like what just happened? Um, on that, um, the recent HBAR Bowl episode on YouTube that was published Friday, um, there was a segment with Rob Allen and he talked about, he mentioned a couple of interesting things that I just wanted to highlight. Uh, so he's been at the Hashgraph Association. Um, most people probably remember Rob Allen from the HBAR Foundation. I think at the time I had him on this show, he was still at the HBAR Foundation. I can't remember. But anyways, he's not at the HBAR Foundation anymore. He's at the Hashgraph Association. Um, and he's been there for two months. He kind of outlined that the foundation and process that he's inherited is like really um, effective. And what he's doing is developing an enterprise-grade accelerator. So effectively, um, a methodology in which an enterprise can come to the Hashgraph Association and, and really just accelerate certain things they want to build or certain things they want to do. And the most interesting thing that he's brought up twice now is he wants to see governing council members developing multiple use cases. So he's really forward with this. He's like, I know that we've got governing council members that are developing use cases and that's great, but one's not enough. I want to see three or four. And that's really interesting. You know, that's a very refreshing, aggressive take on the governing council, right? A lot of us go, oh, I hope that, you know, this member or that member launches their use case soon, right? And Rob is like, no, like they should be doing multiple use cases. And it seems obvious, but it also seems like there's a lot of resources and time and effort required to do that. So it seems that kind of like that's what he's there to do. Um, so that's very interesting. And it, and he's got a pipeline of 50 projects. Um, and he says some pretty big ones are far along already. So clearly, you know, Rob Allen is an engine that's just kind of been let loose. And it's going to be very interesting to see some developments uh, coming from what he's doing at the Hashgraph Association. That's going to be really interesting. Um, and let me see what else we got going on. Oh, Swirls Labs. They've uh, partnered with Archaia.io to bring more dedicated infrastructure um, and an easier experience. So basically, developers on Hedera have needed um, core pieces of infrastructure that have kind of been missing, that kind of been you know, not as reliable as they should be. I think a lot of those issues still persist. And yeah, this is a network in beta still. Like Hedera isn't out of beta. So that's kind of a given, but it definitely, again, places a little bit of a bottleneck in regards to the amount of innovation that can be driven by some of these smaller players on the network, just not having that tooling. So this is actually huge. And I mean, don't want to get too into it, um, but there was one thing that Swirls Labs highlighted where they said, quote, a recent developer session resulted in an unprecedented number of builders submitting requests to the Hedera testnet JSON RPC, causing a reduction in latency from the sheer volume of activity that we did not anticipate. And they say, with Archaia, we aim to ensure 
a stable and consistent network experience for builders learning to create and test on Hedera. So basically, you know, for folks unfamiliar with Archaea, they are a mirror node provider. A lot of people utilize their um, resources and this partnership, I think is going to accelerate things. So hopefully things are a little bit easier. This is a very substantial uh, news item. Um, so I know not everyone listening is a developer and might not be like super excited about this, but you know, it's good to see stuff like this, this happening. Um, and let me see, we already talked about that already talked about that. We already talked, Oh, H suite. So we, we, we talk about H suite quite a bit, uh, for those unfamiliar, it is a kind of Dex and, um, enterprise or, or, uh, ecosystem tooling, uh, platform for doing all sorts of different things. Um, really the spotlight has been on their decks. The fascinating aspect of it is that it doesn't use smart contracts. It uses kind of the native layer, um, the, the protocol itself on Hedera. They leverage um, app nets written in TypeScript that are these kind of smart nodes. And the benefit of that is their decks inherits the native speed and, and, um, uh, transaction uh, fees of the network. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's an exciting alternative to a smart contract decks like saucer swap. Um, they're live. I think they're live. I had um, possible teas from um, H suite on the show last episode. So if you want some cool insights, go listen to, to the last episode. Um, but they're live for, you know, a limited number of people. I believe it's people that hold a certain type of Shibar NFT, maybe like a gold Shibar NFT or something. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm hearing positive things. Like it, it seems like a very compelling product. So shout out to them. It's live. Check it out. Uh, what else we got going on? Uh, oh, Hedera has announced a new EVM uh, equivalence uh, uh, effort. And they published an article on this. And basically what the goal of this is, is kind of like the opposite of what HSuite is doing, right? HSuite is a DEX that's built natively on the network, kind of in Lehman's vision. And they've got app nets and blah, blah, and all these types of things. But it isn't analogous to something on like Ethereum or uh, kind of an EV, EVM enabled or EVM native uh, network. Uh, where you need those things. And if we're talking about onboarding use cases, if we're talking about bringing new builders onto the network, it's got to be as easy as possible for them to take all the things that they've built and throw them on Hedera with as little work as possible and have them function properly. And right now, as much as you know, Hedera will say it's really easy to do, in a lot of cases, it's not, right? It's, it's not, that EVM equivalence isn't quite there yet what EVM equivalence is, is, is kind of just what I stated, which is like, is it, is the EVM experience on Hedera, right? Is the, is the Ethereum virtual machine experience on Hedera equal or comparable to an ex, that experience on another network? Not quite, but this article kind of highlights some ways in which they hope to get closer to having that equivalence. Um, so I'll just, I'm just going to, there's a couple notes that I made from this article. I'm just going to read them verbatim. And blast through it here just because it's some useful information for people. <clears throat> Hedera's strategy for EVM equivalence is designed to provide robust program programmability for applications across the network, empowering developers by facilitating faster and more cost-effective execution of smart contracts while also integrating Hedera's native services seamlessly. 
Hedera aims to leverage the Hyperledger Bizu EVM client to allow developers to use their existing Solidity expertise, benefiting from Hedera's unique strengths such as faster transactions, low and fixed fees, fair transaction ordering, immediate finality, and heightened security. So obviously the appeal there is like, bring your stuff here, it'll work. P.S. It's going to be cheaper and more secure, blah, blah, blah. Great, right? Great value proposition. <clears throat> Hedera is not planning to leave its native services behind. The vision for EVM equivalents aims to capture the best of both worlds. Robust programmability from a familiar EVM tools, libraries, and environments combined with the unmatched speed and security of, of Hedera. And <clears throat> they've Hedera's created open-sourced or it's created and open-sourced Hedera-specific JSON RPC relay code bases, a community service offering uh, called Hash.io, which, or Hash.io, sorry. We talked about this on another episode, uh, which is being picked up by commercial JSON RPC relay infrastructure providers to create robust ecosystem, a robust ecosystem of highly available offerings with additional functionalities like transaction monitoring, notification, and security, Hedera's core contributors are dedicated to advancing Hedera native features and integrating them within the EVM for enhanced programmability. Um, and so this is kind of the, the kind of the brass tacks on this. The Hedera token service has been integrated into smart contracts, enabling the configuration, minting, and management of fungible and non-fungible tokens mapped to ERC-20 and ERC-721 standards. Um, tokens minted on Hedera can be managed by smart contracts uh, and are interpreted as ERC-20 or ERC-721 by smart contracts that call these tokens. Um, so basically, this is Hedera's efforts to um, kind of like get this EVM equivalence um, getting closer, hopefully. Um, the integration of the Hedera consensus service, right, HCS, into the EVM enables smart contracts to read from and write to topics and messages created by the service, allowing developers to create dynamic decentralized applications that harness Hedera's unique decentralized logging capabilities. So that's one side of the coin, right? But then again, we flipped the other side of the coin and there's been this debate and this debate especially flared up with kind of the fall of Lehman Swap that happened fairly recently, um, which was a DEX on Hedera that raised like hundreds of thousands of dollars and they um, spun out and they lost the private keys to their multi-sig wallet, long story short, no longer around. And really it, it kind of like sparked a debate between like, should Hedera be putting in the resources to drive this EVM equivalence or should Hedera be more focused on creating um, protocol specific tooling? Both have upsides and downsides, right? If we take the EVM equivalence route, you open yourself up potentially to more attack vectors. If you go more kind of the protocol specific route, you close yourself off, you put yourself on an island a little bit. So it's tough. And I think that especially right now, I'm siding a little bit with the EVM equivalence approach just because again, like look at the landscape right now. Things are completely bottomed out. People are really questioning a lot of stuff. They might be in a um, particular mindset where they're looking for alternatives. So it should be as easy as possible for them to port over to Adara. So I'm behind it. Um, we'll have to see. Everyone has a different opinion. <clears throat> um, 
real quick, I'm not going to dive into it, but I just added it to the thread pinned to the top from Masari. They published a new um, first quarter report and they noted that trans transaction volume on Hedera nearly 40xed with the average daily new accounts increasing by 170%. Obviously, that was um, Karate Combat and another um, use case, which I believe was, I can't remember. It wasn't, it wasn't one of those ones that was top of mind. There was, there, there's really been two use cases that have been driving a ton of that account creation. Um, but the, the full reports in there, I mean, we've, we pretty much talked about everything in the, that would be covered in the report already, but go and check it out. It's useful. Um, hash pack update, they've added support for descent wallet. So as ledger is kind of being left in the dust, not really supporting different transaction types on Hedera. Um, I think that a lot of these other hardware wallets like Descent, even some other hardware wallets like Citadel wallet that's being built specifically for Hedera, um, there's a vacuum and it's being filled clearly. Um, I know that Descent recently added support for Blade wallet too. So, I mean, shout out. Like, I've got my ledger here, but I mean, I've been thinking about you know, I, I've got my waitlist for the the uh, Citadel wallet. Um, you know, Descent wallet looks cool. I want to be able to hold my NFTs on a wallet, right? I want to be able to do these different um, transaction types, you know, easily stake and unstake from nodes and all those different types of things. So shout out to Descent. I mean, right on. Xbox. What is Xbox? We've talked about it before. It's one of the most transacted tokens on the main net. It's always popping up. And basically it's from a use case called Zenny that has this token called Xbox that is on their platform. It's kind of like a travel focused use case that allows people to kind of like, um, you know, book these accommodations for traveling around and these kind of affiliate programs and, and all these different types of things. And each of these transactions happens inside a digital wallet um, that's tied to a user account. So right up the alley of kind of this web two, web three kind of merging in a very unique use case. And they said that they've opened up 150,000 accounts, which is, you know, a, definitely a contributor to the recent spike in accounts. And also they plan, you know, the, the founder, um, Sachin, he said that they plan to announce another quarter million um, users within this quarter. So it's kind of like, uh, it's a little bit of a crazy use case. So um, Zenny, Z-E-N-I, um, they've got the Xbox. That's what they're about. Um, they've got the travel use case. They're driving account creation. There's a great clip of an interview from the HBAR Bulls show that you should check out. Um, but that's what Xbox is. We figured out what it was. Um, something else that was interesting too, was, I don't know if people saw the controversy around Reddit and their APIs, basically Reddit did something t similar to Twitter where they raised their API fees by a drastic amount, essentially, um, killing off a few applications that use the API. And there's been a lot of controversy. Um, and also too, if you look at something like the chat GPT API, and how you pay those things. Um, there's been a few conversations, I think sparked by Christian Hasker a little bit from Swirls, around how APIs function, the controversy surrounding those, and 
the idea of paying per API call in a microtransaction. Um, that's a really fascinating thing. And I think something worth exploring. It does feel like paying monthly for cumulative API usage on a network seems kind of like uh, antiquated now. Like why not pay per API call? I think we could start to see things like that happening and talk about TPS, right? Imagine if a chat GPT or a Reddit um, was able to streamline how their API is provided to customers utilizing a digital wallet, paying per API call, maybe spending a little less money. Like that would be crazy. So um, keeping my eye on that a little bit, I didn't even think of that uh, as a use case until recently. Um, and it makes total sense. So that's, that's an interesting one to watch. Um, Swirls announced that they're going to be moving 3 billion coins, right? 3 billion H bar across different accounts. Um, and they're, they were just giving a, us a heads up, um, on June 1st. And we had Joshua up on the spaces from Swirls earlier. Um, and he said that he kind of watched that unfold live. Um, so Hedera has moved billions of H bar. Um, thought you should know. And we're going to be winding it down here, guys. I think we actually managed to do good time with this. Um, I want to end it on a high note, but I want to also kind of highlight, you know, you know, like a bummer was Atomic Wallet got compromised and a lot of people got hacked. And it's a bummer because Atomic Wallet, I don't think a lot of people use it anymore, but if you're kind of an OG Hadarian, Atomic Wallet was one of the original places where you could swap for HBAR, where you could uh, accumulate HBAR, where you could store HBAR. Um, and I'm talking like way, way back, like 2019. So I have, you know, like a six digit Hedera account starting with one um, on an Atomic Wallet. I don't have any H bar in it, but, um, kind of, kind of crazy. I mean, they got hacked and there was a lot of value stolen. I think I saw a couple people in the H bar community specifically kind of mention, um, to what extent they were affected by that hack. But, um, yeah, bummer. Uh, but on the flip side, uh, saucer swap ranks as of May 27th, going back quite a bit, right? I mean, we've missed a couple weeks here, so. Saucer Swap ranks number 33 among top DeFi protocols measured by unique users um, on uh, DAP radar. So crazy. Um, I mean, Saucer Swap's been doing such a great job, great product, great decks, um, and well deserved. I mean, Hedera, again, is a very small market, not a lot of liquidity here. Um, very engaged, clearly. Number 33 ranked on DAT radar. Nothing to turn your nose up at at all. Um, I think that's great. Also in the thread, it's going to be really difficult to go through on here, but um, there was a uh, there was a thread, uh, or sorry, there was a Reddit post shared um, highlighting Hedera Governing Council use cases and projects being built on Hedera. It's a slide from a deck from April 2022 that basically provides like a bird's eye view of like which governing council members and which use cases are kind of building in, in what vertical. And like, for example, in this slide, you've got, um, you know, the payments vertical. So 
Um, under the payment network, they list a Fortune 500 company. Under micropayments, they have FPAWS and ADSDAX, which makes sense for 2022. Um, under decentralized identity, uh, for university, yeah, university credentials, they have, again, a Fortune 500, um, then Tata Communications. Um, under tokenization and CBDCs, they've got WePro. Or under security tokens, they've got DLA Piper. Um, under data integrity, um, you know, for, let's say, um, you know, customer privacy insights, they, again, they've got a Fortune 500. So what's really interesting here, and again, I get this slide is a little older, but sometimes like seeing the fact that they aren't going to reveal the name of this Fortune 500 or these Fortune 500 companies, it's very interesting. I don't know if I see a Fortune 10 on here that we should see, but... Very interesting. So again, this slide provides, again, as of 2022, but a bird's eye view of kind of what, what's going on with Hedera and, and kind of and what verticals. And then there's kind of a, a breakdown kind of in text form, kind of extrapolating on this and looking forward. Um, so definitely check it out. Um, it's in the thread, pins the top of the spaces. We don't have time to dive into it here, but it's worth checking out. I mean, again, it's not super... Um, timely information. It's a it's a fun read. Um, something that flew under the radar this week. Um, Drop D R O P P is a um, wallet that specializes in micropayments. So, for example, if you go to a coffee shop and you want to buy a coffee, um, Drop integrates with different point of sale systems and also e commerce platforms like Shopify and WordPress to do some of these um, use cases where you know, read this article for a cent, right? Or um, watch this movie for, you know, uh, a tenth of a cent per minute or something. They can do those microtransactions. They've added support for NFTs. Um, so that's really interesting. And, and, and uh, you know, when we look at a wallet and a platform that is specifically focused on micropayments, <clears throat> adding NFTs, that's really fascinating. Um, so I'm going to take another little look at drop and just kind of see what's going on. Um, but a little bit, that's some news that kind of flew under the radar a little bit. Um, so I found that kind of fascinating. Um, and then the last thing was another Reddit thread um, that really took a deep, deep dive into the relationship between IBM and Hedera. And I'll quickly just go over the top parts of the timeline. This is our last story of the night. Um, so IBM was the lead investor in Hedera Hashgraph's first funding round, founding, yeah, funding round in February, 2018. So let that sink in, right? IBM um, were the first investors in Hedera. Hedera's consensus service was announced in June, 2019. The white paper was co-authored by IBM. So not only was IBM one of the first um, investors in Hedera, they also helped co-author the white paper for the consensus service that, you know, Avery Dennison uses to push thousands of transactions through the, the you know, or hundreds or I guess a thousand transactions per second through the network. So that's kind of crazy. And then later in 2019, IBM joined the governing council. Wild right? And the Hedera Consensus Service launched in 2020. So 
That's really crazy. Think about that timeline. And re and, and even more recently, on an interview, um, IBM, I, I forget who it was at IBM, but someone at IBM said that people often forget 85% of transactions in banking run through an IBM mainframe. So similar to Dell as a governing council member that will tout the fact that a large portion or the majority of internet traffic flows through Dell hardware, you know, IBM says, listen, you know, most payments in the world, you know, flow through an IBM mainframe. That's so, and both of those folks are on the governing council and both of those enterprises, I feel are going to help develop, help develop like new products and services from Hedera. Like we have it right here, IBM developing the Hedera consensus service with Hedera um, and with Swirls. So that's really crazy. And um, I think that, you know, I really start to rethink a lot of these governing council members. I think that initially the way that I thought about them, and I'm talking about a, a few, right? I'm talking about maybe five. Maybe it's the original five, but I often thought of the governing council as enterprises that became a part of this amazing startup that is Hedera. But the reality is that a few of these governing council members built this startup and then joined the governing council. So my key thing just on this last story is I feel that there's a few governing council members that deserve some extra attention because it may not be the case. Like I'll give you a great example with Google, where's their use case, right? What are they doing? Where's their transactions? And you know, you could say the same about IBM, like where's their use case? Where's the transactions flowing through the mainnet from IBM? Like what's going on? And I think there might be a bit more to that because it turns out IBM helped create that service. Um, so, I'm going to take a little more time to do a little more diving into a few of these governing council members. I feel some of their stories go a little deeper and their involvement is a little more widespread and all encompassing than we think. And that's our last story. Um, I mean, let me see. Was there any other notes that I was missing? Uh, yeah, that's our last story. We did it guys. Um, holy cow. Uh, wow. So another week behind us and another week ahead, a huge shout out to everyone listening live on the Twitter spaces right now. Another shout out to everyone listening to the recording on Apple podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and an extra shout out to everyone making a donation to the show. If you have a moment, Give the show a rating on your favorite platform. It helps a lot. Thank you to the H Bar Bull for popping up, for Joshua from Swirls Labs for coming up, to Perfect Ability with the Reddit report, breaking it down for us. That stuff is awesome. I love it. 
And what's the key takeaway from this episode? Well, <clears throat> I think the key takeaway is I should not use the same microphone setup that I was using at the beginning of the show. It sounded horrible. Um, so, you know, as the donations come into the show, I'm acquiring new equipment to provide a higher production value of the show. Um, I do have people interested in certain sponsorships of the show and different things. So we'll see what happens. My preference is keeping this donations focused. I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of like advertisements or sponsors or whatever. It's not really something I like to do. And I, you know, I think that we're picking up steam in regards to donations. I mean, um, obviously right now with the recent dump, um, I'm kind of like, you know, timing it out a little bit. I want to get the, 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 the most squeeze, the most juice out of the squeeze, uh, for getting some new equipment for the show. But I mean, we, we got some, we got some, some, uh, some funds to use to make the show a little better. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, what's the other side of this? Oh, I mean, I'll, I'll bring it to, I'll bring it to this. Um, there's a great, there's a great quote. I'm going to see if I can find it. I sent it to somebody recently. I want to see if I can find this. Um, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm just scrolling through my DMs for the first time. I've got like 10 direct messages uh, talking about how horrible the audio was at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Apologies. Um, so there's a great quote that kind of sums up my thoughts recently uh, of what's been happening. Um, oh, I know where it is. Uh, it's in my Telegram. I sent it to someone on Telegram. Telegram, where are you? You're back over here. Okay, here we go. Um, again, bringing up uh, Paul Graham from Y Combinator. There's a great post from one of his uh, um, art, uh, papers or, or um, uh, essays that he wrote. And it was about building in a bad economy and kind of the advantages of why you might want to. And a great quote is, um, another advantage of bad times is that there's less competition. Technology trains leave the station at regular intervals. If everyone else is cowering in a corner, you may have a whole car to yourself. So basically, um, I, you know, things are not looking so hot out there. It's been a rough year. The last 72 hours have been brutal. Um, but as we were saying, you know, Hedera just passed 11 billion transactions, uh, 20 billion worth of real world tokenized assets got uh, tokenized on Hedera. Um, there's securities tokenized on Hedera, um, all these different types of things. And this is my takeaway. Value on the network is going up at an alarming rate on Hedera and the price of H bar is like, yeah, it's down still. So there's a huge discrepancy between that. And again, you can find an analog to that similar to again, bring up Amazon again, right? Jeff Bezos is very famous for quoting that during the dot-com crash, the bubble crash, people were saying, you know, Amazon is, you know, doom and gloom, it's not going to make it, all these different types of things. The stock price is in the gutter. And, you know, Jeff Bezos is like, well, behind the scenes, I mean, the metrics, the the numbers, the growth of the company, the health couldn't be any better. So the stock price doesn't matter. 
And obviously people who bought Amazon stock at that time did very well. Is Hedera the Amazon, right? Is is Hedera one of these few networks that will rise from the ashes of the, uh, you know, fires burning right now? And, you know, it's anyone's guess. You know, it's clear that Hedera is really well positioned. But again, it's, you know, value is continually going up on the network and the price is, again, completely dragged down by Bitcoin and all these other kind of altcoin things and just general macro economic activities happening. It's crazy. So make of it what you will, not financial advice, but it's it's really nuts. I'm seeing so many um, posts on Twitter and uh, and Reddit kind of of people going, how do I get into HBAR right now? I think people understand that a little bit. They're starting to see some of the headlines coming out in regard in regards to some of these use cases and on Hedera and some of these things happening. And it's quite shocking um, on the backdrop of what's happening. So that's a key observation, key takeaway. Thank you for tuning in to Hashgraph Enthusiast News and Rumors, episode 79. Somebody get the doctor, please. Um, broadcast live on Twitter Spaces every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, and made available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, every Monday. Get all the info you need about the show and listen to past episodes at itsbrandond.com slash hbar. A reminder, tomorrow at noon Eastern, I will be interviewing Dr. Lehman Baird, inventor of the Hashgraph algorithm, co-CEO of Swirls, co-founder of Hedera, the man, the myth, the legend. I'll be interviewing him alongside King Solomon on Genfinity. Tune in. You won't want to miss it. Um, that link and info is in the thread pins at the top of the spaces. Actually, you know what I'll do? Um, is I will just um, double, I will double pin that to the top of the spaces. I'm very serious about this. I'm very excited about this. I mean, what when when do you get to interview um, the doctor? When do you get to do that? Um, so here it is. I'm pinning this specific tweet to the spaces. Um, go check it out. Don't miss it. Make sure to join the Hashgraph Enthusiast Twitter community to share your insights, ask questions, invite new friends. Um, that link and info is also in the thread pins at the top of the spaces almost 900 members it's five um, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show feel free to send an hbar donation to enthusiast.hbar using your hedera wallet the full hbar address can be found in the show notes i appreciate everyone tuning in seriously it means so much um and sharing the show and i'll see you live on twitter spaces next sunday at 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific and as usual for everyone listening to the show if you see someone listening right now and maybe you don't recognize their profile picture, you've never connected with them, do it now. If you don't follow them, give them a follow, shoot them a message, ask them what they're up to. If you see someone you do recognize and you haven't talked with them in a while, shoot them a message, ask what's new. I guarantee you, you've got something to talk about. Let's keep it happening. Let's keep it motoring. Um, and that's it. Hello, future. Goodbye, past.